This week is a very specific one. We're talking about financial stress because that is one of the top causes of divorce. And uh, I think that makes sense, that it can cause a lot of stress. Um, I, how I wanted to start this out is by saying, I don't normally fall for um, scams online. <laughs> but when I do, <laughs> there's usually um, an online course involved. <laughs> so the other day, a couple years back, I'm on YouTube and I, I get this, uh, this ad that pops up saying, you can publish a book and all you need is a laptop and a little bit of money and you can make 10K a month on passive income. And I'm like, this is great. This is too good to be true. But they're saying it's true. It's going to happen. We did it. So I literally put together a PowerPoint presentation to convince Hannah that this was a good idea. And then it took a couple more months of pleading and begging because it wasn't a cheap course. I'm a little afraid to say how much it costed, but I guess I'm just saying. <laughs> Godfrey wants to know. Um, it was $1,500 for the course, and then another 1000 for the Ghost Rider, and another this and that, and this and that. But don't worry, I finished the book. I've told a lot of you guys, I finished the book. Um, it was bringing in some money. It actually, for a little bit, there was $100 a month. I'm like, okay, let's just see a little. But then the, the, you know, the direction didn't go up, it went down, and so now I get like $15, $20 a month. So it, it'll be about, by the time I retire, hopefully I'm gonna break even on this thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I can laugh now, but uh, there were points in this journey in the last two years where I was not laughing, especially when I'm emailing them back about their money back guarantee that I didn't read the fine print on and all that stuff. It was not so fun. It was pretty stressful. And one of the things for me is it felt terrible because I felt like I kind of dragged Hannah into it. So I, I begged and pleaded for Hannah, and I thought maybe she'll never forgive me, and she'll never let me buy a thing again after something like this. But, uh, you know, so there's the financial stress, but then how, how it works in a relationship where you're sharing money together can get pretty dicey, pretty stressful, you know. And, and right now, we live in a day and age where it's tough. Um, I don't know about you, but I hear over and over again about the inflation rising and how that's just pinching everything out of us. Normal expenses like food, clothes, housing are just going up and up and up. And, uh, and I, I don't know why it is. Uh, if you're familiar with you know, any kind of social platform, my, my TikTok account has an algorithm that uh, believes that I... I, I see videos all the time because the, of the algorithm of, of people my age complaining about people older than me because they had it so much easier. Has anyone gotten any of those? You, some of you may have gotten that. Like the, the price of a house did not, is not proportional to inflation. The price of food. And then they match it up and it's like a 10-minute video going back and forth. And, and by the end of it, I'm like, wow, I'm broke. Like this is, this is rough for me and my generation. And I'm sure there's a, more of a story to it. But I know that's something that's on my mind. So I don't know where you're at. Um, of course, financial stress does not just affect couples, it affects us all. Um, but if you are in a couple, I'm sure that's going to affect 
you in different ways. Maybe uh, you may remember having a fight with your significant other over how to spend money, how to not spend money, how to save. Yep, you can go ahead and jab the person next to you. Um, but even, you know, for those of us who may be single, like this is stressful and this is a lot. So what we want to talk about today is I want to share how we can stop worrying and start working together, or at least move in that direction, to stop worrying and start working together. The first one I'm going to talk about is stop worrying, which is really hard for us to do because our brains are wired for worry. Um, according to the psychology of money, the author says that pessimism is easily believed and applauded. So if you hear bad news, you're going to believe it a lot more likely than if you hear good news. And I thought it was interesting, the illustration he gives was that of Japan right after World War II. They were not in a good spot. And so if you would have told Japan after World War II that they would have the biggest returns on stocks, that their life expectancy would double, that they would go 40 years of um, unemployment being under 6%, which is really good, that uh, their whole entire economy would increase by uh, 15 times what it was in 50 years. If you would have told them, they would never believe you. But if you would have told them right after World War II that their country would be destroyed, it'd be, there'd be nothing left, then they would probably believe that. And between the two stories, you can kind of see where, where I'm going with this. Which one actually came true? Well, Japan is doing really, really well. I mean, my goodness, they invented Nintendo. They're doing pretty good. <laughs> and, and so, but you wouldn't believe it. And so much for us, when it comes to especially financial worries, we believe the negative news. We believe that things are just going to get worse and worse and worse. So what I want you to do is I want you to find someone next to you. I, I have two questions for this sermon. We're going to do our first question right now. Can you think of a time when you were all worked up over something, but it ended up not being a big deal? I'll give you about 30 seconds to a minute to go ahead, try to think of, when, was there a time when you worried about something that maybe you didn't have to worry about so much? Go ahead. Go, so anybody next to you, groups two and three. Do you have one? Every day. Just the daily stuff. Mm -hmm. The one that I think of is Anchor's financial position I worry about. And so far, we're still kicking. We're actually doing really well. Yeah. Still kicking. Anyone want to share with everybody? Nah, nah, nah. Okay, we're going to move on because uh, Jesus had some profound things to say about worry and about money. Oh, I should give a warning. Five more seconds. <laughs> he had some profound things to say about worry and money, and I believe that if we can take what he said in the Sermon on the Mount to heart, it could make a big difference in our lives. And so, what does he say his brilliant message is, therefore, do not worry. 
All right, that was it. I was happy you came to Anchor today. You are dismissed. Don't worry, huh? <laughs> okay, let's look at what is he saying, because there is some really helpful stuff uh, before and after this statement. So one of the things a preacher, you may have heard a preacher say is anytime in the Bible you see therefore, you got to look to see what it's there for. Okay, so there's something before what he says that uh, we should pay attention to. What does Jesus say before saying, do not worry? He says, he gives a list of three pairs. First, he says there's two kinds of treasures. Then he says there's two kinds of visions. And then he says there's two kinds of masters. So first, the treasures. He says, lay out for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. Okay? So in those times, the things you would hold on to might be clothes because fashion trends don't really change. So a good cloak would last for generations. So you're going to want to hold on to that. That's expensive stuff. So you hold on to that. Problem is, the moths will eat them. So it may not really work to your benefit to hold on to your clothes for generations. But you may have certain metals and jewelry that's really valuable and you want to hold on to. But if you hold on to that, the rust might get the metals. And so Jesus is saying, like, it may not be the best investment to hold on to all your earthly stuff. Instead, look to your heavenly treasures. And I don't know about you, but I don't quite know what Jesus is talking about with these heavenly treasures. When I was little, I thought it was like a point system, maybe because... I grew up on Nintendo, and Mario, there was always the extra points you can gain over and over again. And I thought life was just one Mario game where there's more and more points, and you do good things, and, and God's, you know, totaling up all those points. I don't know. I don't know exactly if that's it. <laughs> that would be kind of weird, kind of sweet, but kind of weird. Um, but what Jesus does say is he says when you pray, when you fast, when you give to the needy, these are things your heavenly father looks at, and he'll reward you for. And then he says, lay up treasures in heaven. So I'm pretty sure it has to do with those things. And in some way, God sees it, and in some way, God records it. Ways that you serve other people and ways that you devote yourself to God are laying up treasures in heaven. So that's one pair. The other is about our eyesight. He says the eye is the light of the body, so if the eye is good, the whole body is going to be full of light. But the, if the eye is bad, the whole body's going to be full of darkness. So, so what does your eye do? It helps you see, gives you vision. And so the things that you see, I think maybe what he's talking about is the priorities, the things that you give attention to, the, pri the, the value you see in different things. If you see value in things that aren't valuable, it's going to affect your entire life. But if you see value where there's true value, then that's going to be good for you. So he says it's really important that you have good eyes, good vision. And then he says you can only serve one master, which is a little difficult that Jesus is using slavery as an analogy here. It's kind of it's weird, but it's very important that you see that this is a slavery metaphor. He says master because if he was talking about employment, you can get a side job. But if you are a slave, you can only have one master. Any other master would be a betrayal. Any other master would be like, you know, an affair or idolatry. He says, you can only be faithful to one master. And he says, 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll despise the one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve, and then he gets to his real point, both God and money. He says, the line is being drawn, and he says, there is a priority. Are you living for God? Is, does God have your full commitment, your full loyalty? Because if he doesn't, is that money? It's only one or the other. Man, Jesus does some challenging things because I don't know about you, but I feel really good when there's money in the bank. I feel secure and at peace, and there is a part of me that sees money as my master. And if I can serve money better, money will take care of me, and I forget that I can only have one master. And then Jesus says, therefore. So, so. We have our treasures in heaven, we have good eyesight, and we know God is our master. Therefore, don't worry. Don't worry. I guess, I, you know, maybe he's saying, you know, if our treasures in heaven, we're not worrying about earthly treasure because it doesn't really matter that much anyways. If our eyesight is good, we, we don't have to worry about things that don't really matter that much. And if God is our master, he's a much better master than money. God's going to be a good master to it. He's going to take good care of us. I do want to just mention here, I know, I, I, you know, I know one of our values here is to be multi-ethnic, and, and, um, and I believe sometimes what the Bible does is the Bible is going to use metaphors um, to help us understand something that's in the world of Jesus' day, but not condoning that, okay? So Jesus was not condoning slavery. Jesus wasn't saying it was a good, acceptable thing, but he can still pull from what people would have understood at that time to give an example, okay? So just a, a quick little aside there. So then he says, do not worry, and he goes on and he tells us specifically what we shouldn't worry about. He says, don't worry about your life and don't worry about your body. Your life, what you eat or drink, or about your body, what you put on, your clothes. He says, the pagans worry about those things, but you know that your heavenly father knows what you need. Then he talks about birds and, and lilies. He says, look at the birds. They don't gather into barns, and yet they have full tummies. He said, look at the lilies. They don't do any work, <laughs> and yet they looked even better than King Solomon, the richest man to live. Jesus said, if God's going to take care of birds and plants, do you think he's not going to take care of his children? He's not going to take care of you. So Jesus is giving, you know, maybe this is familiar to you. I know uh, some of you may have heard the Sermon on the Mount, heard the, these examples, but these are some profound arguments here that Jesus is making. And the fun thing that Jesus does when he says these arguments is he goes from the very high ideal ideas that, like, God is our master, he should get all of our devotion, God will care for us, and then he'll say really practical things. He says, in the same passage, he says, and how many of you guys are going to add an hour of your life by worrying? <laughs> you know, just in case you didn't get the bird and the lily illustration, like, let me tell you, you're not going to gain any more time. You're not going to feel any better by worrying. Just, you know, it's not doing you any good. He talks about the birds and the lilies. Then he says, uh, therefore, seek after the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, 
and all these other things will be added. He says, focus on the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, I, I guess if the sermon all fits together, it might have to do with prayer and fasting and giving to the needy and laying up treasures in heaven. You focus on kingdom things, the things that God wants you to focus on, and he'll take care of the earthly things. And then he says another sort of practical. He weaves it in there. He says, and don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own problems. You've got enough problems for just today. But there's a really beautiful um, image there. You know, it makes me think of um, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and God gave them enough bread for the day. And uh, if they wanted to hold on to more bread, it would expire and maggots would eat it up. And God said, I'm going to put out bread and you go out and you just get what you need for today. And there's a promise there that God is going to give you what you need for today. And it's so funny. There's so many times I look forward and I think, how is this going to work out? I don't know um, what next year is going to bring. Um, we've got to work harder. And I worry so much about the future. And God says, I got you today, don't I? I'm going to give you enough grace for later. So some, some profound things Jesus is saying. When he talks about the birds and the lilies, um, there's something that really struck me in that. You know, the birds don't gather into barns, but if you uh, took financial ed in high school, you might have heard about a retirement plan. Maybe at some point you may have heard about a 401k. And my personal finance class, I can remember because it struck me. I mean, it really messed me up for a good day when the teacher said, you've got to save $3.5 million in assets to be able to retire. And I'm like, are you nuts? How is that? Like, you know, and then you, you learn about the, the magic of compound interest. And now I'm, you know, I'm on the phone with my financial advisor, and she says, it's not that magical. Don't they? You know, 3.5 ain't happening at this rate. But, but, but we look at the birds, okay? So, so I think what Jesus is saying is, is it a good or bad thing to save for retirement? I think it is a good thing to save for retirement. It's a thing we should do. But even if you can't get around to it, even if life is full of these unexpected ex expenses, even if it doesn't work out and you can't get, reach that $3.5 million goal, then you're still going to be fed. Look at the birds. They're fed. God will still feed you. And then the lilies. The lilies are worse than the birds. The lilies are doing nothing. They're just sitting at home on the couch eating potato chips. They're not doing a thing. You don't see lilies working, do you? You don't see At least the birds are flying around. It looks like they're doing something, keeping busy. They may not have the sense to plan ahead, but at least they're doing something. The lilies aren't doing anything. And what does Jesus say? I think what Jesus is saying is that you should, although you should get a job, <laughs> although you should work, even if, even if you don't, you still got your mom's basement, you know? <laughs> like, like, even if you're irresponsible, even if you made mistakes, even if life doesn't look good, and you're, you're, you're trying to get the job and it doesn't work out, even if life hits you, you still don't need to worry because ultimately, more times than not, you're going to be able to put some clothes on like the lilies did. You're going to be okay. God's going to look out for you. What Jesus is saying is just like God is faithful 
to nature and natural law, just like the sun comes up each day, he's going to take care of his children. And, and I, I have a hard time saying that. Part of me doesn't believe that. I'll be honest with you. Part of me thinks, well, what about, what about global poverty? There's people going to bed starving. Makes me think of a video I saw just this morning, and it was talking about global poverty, and it is an all-time low these days. And so it may not be in our timing. It may, it may not happen every single time, but that is the trajectory of how God works and how God sees us, is God is a loving parent who won't want his children to starve. And that is what Jesus wants us to remember, to stop worrying, okay? So it's just... Maybe take one of the, or two of those ideas and, and remember that. Maybe for you, it's, it's remember the lily and the bird. You know, go outside, and, and as you hear birds chirping, let that be a reminder that they're, they're, they don't plan ahead, and yet they're still taken care of, and God's going to take care of me. Okay, so a, a few promises, a few arguments to try to get ourselves to worry at least a little less than we are now. How about that? I know it's always hard when I say, do not worry. Like, okay, well, you're making me think about it now. But, but maybe we can do a little better. Worry a little less than we did yesterday. So when it comes to money, let's not worry. And let's start working together. Working together. I heard Steve Harvey say this, and it really surprised me. He gave the advice that married couples need to have separate bank accounts. And when I first heard it, I thought that was the dumbest advice ever. I thought that that was um, a sign of mistrust and like you can't have secret, like what kind of relationship advice would that be? That was my first thought. But then I came to realize that Hannah and I actually have separate bank accounts, so to speak. She's got a Venmo account. She's better at the spending than I am and I'm better at saving. <laughs> and, and, and I learned that that's a really good thing because I don't do good with Christmas presents, and when I do spend money, it's not on the things I should be spending money on. It, it wastes and stuff. Um, but so she's actually better at spending money than I am. So, so she has the spending money, and then we decide on different categories besides that. So she has an account for that, and then we just got a rental property, and so I'm holding on to some money in a different account for like repairs and stuff like that. So I'm like, we're actually doing what I thought was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> and I thought that'd be interesting if you guys talked about it amongst yourselves. What do you think of, is there wisdom to that? Is this like the worst idea possible? Or is there there's something smart to that? Do you, you know, the married couples in the room, like, do you have separate bank accounts? That's my question. So go ahead, turn to somebody, take 30 seconds and, and share what you think. Should married couples have separate bank accounts? You do. For your whole marriage? And it works? <laughs> you do. How it should be. <laughs> yes. Oh, then it's going to be a little more like fixed and yeah. <laughs> okay, Let, let's do our official vote. If you think that married couples should have separate bank accounts, raise your hand. If, if you don't think, and I don't know, maybe mine doesn't count because it's 
Does my example count as separate? You don't think so? Okay. Okay. Does that change anybody's vote? If, if what I described, what me and Hannah do, as separate bank accounts, does that change your vote? No? If you think that married couples should have the same bank account, should share a bank account, raise your hand. Hey, okay, a couple. What works for you? Okay. No right or wrong. You have a joint account. What I was saying, yeah, if, if there shouldn't be a personal because you share all your money, it's all together. No, you don't like that. Wow. <laughs> you don't like that either. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> gonna, gonna. Gonna fact check me here. Yeah? <laughs> mm. <gasps> As she should! <laughs> so, so, so you're saying if you can be a little quicker, a joint account is pretty good. <laughs> Yes, okay, so that is, it's kind of like when we talked about divorce a couple weeks ago, I know you weren't there, but like we, we talked about, you know, Moses had a law for divorce, because we do know that even though Jesus isn't a fan, that does happen, and it might be worth preparing for, and that's a hard one, that's a hard one, because part of me thinks, don't prepare for it, and maybe the odds of a divorce will go down, I don't know, I don't know, but then yeah, you could be in a real bad spot. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'm not going to solve that one today. But get us thinking about how does it look to work together. I've got one verse I want to share with you that is not about marriage, not about money, but it kind of applies here. Okay? How does that sound for proof texting? Um, 1 Corinthians 12, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. In context, this is talking about church and people in the church having different gifts and strengths, but... If you're sharing money, if you're working with somebody, um, maybe even in a dating relationship, you're deciding who to spend money with, who's spending what, you're working together, and you've got to recognize that one of you is an I, and wants, and everything you see, you buy. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> one of you is a hand. You have your different gifts, different strengths, get different baggage, different values, all kinds of differences when it comes to money. Any one of us, if we were to compare how we value money and what we want to spend money on and versus not, it's going to be different. I will tell you, I have not figured out how to convince Hannah that you can spend more than $2.50 on a box of cereal. But she is convinced because she grew up and that was the limit. You do not go over $2.50 for cereal. And still, with how high food prices are, we'll look in Aldi, and it, it's cereal I'll never eat, the, you know, the, the generic Cheerios. I don't want that stuff. But, but we still find stuff under $2.50. But, so we, we, we all have our different things. We all have our different things. And I thought it would be fun if we had a little activity to see, once and for all, how different we are even in this room. So I'm going to need everybody to stand up. Stand up. Maybe you've done this before where uh, we're going to do either or, okay? So 
um, you're going to need to move to one side of the room or another. If it's too clunky with the chairs, you can come up here or whatever. But uh, I have a few uh, kind of would-you-rathers. How do you see money? Let's, let's do a quick survey of this room. Um, if you see money as a source of fun, go to your right. If you see it more as a source of status, to your left. So it's between if money was fun, like all the fun things I can do, or if money was status, like I want to have, I want to dress nice, I, 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 I care about how I'm seen. Um, no, none is good or bad or the other. They're just different. They're just different. So in the middle? In the middle? Okay. Okay. Apparently one is bad. Here we go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Okay, okay, next one. Is it more that money provides? There we go. The best dressed ones here. Hey, there we go. Uh, if money is more about security or freedom. There we go. Security. I'm probably at security. I need security. That's about evenly split. There we go. Okay. Um, if <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, you're turning out to be the outlier here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you more of a saver or a spender? Saver or spender? Saver, spender. This is the party side. <laughs> Would you rather buy experiences or things? <laughs> okay, all you experienced people, I'm curious what Christmas looks like here. Are you giving out like tickets to movies or? But never mind, never mind. Be on it. There we go. Give it up for some honesty. Okay. Okay, um, one more. Okay, this is about giving. So a little, little guilt in here. No. <laughs> but uh, when it comes to giving, it doesn't need to be church or anything, but doing nice things for people. Would you rather plan for it or do it spontaneously? Like where, as the heart se sends you. Planned or spontaneous? Hey, there we go, our planners. Cool, cool. Okay, so we're pretty different. You guys can... Give yourselves a hand. Take your, take a seat. Great, great. So the list can go on and on and on and on. And what I want to tell you is none of these are right or wrong. These are just different. And in a relationship, we got to try not to judge one another. Instead, we got to learn from one another, and, and use each other's gifts and strengths. So here's a few tips for you. One, you got to keep a budget. I, I'll tell you, if you uh, start keeping a budget and you haven't done it before, you will be shocked the amount of money you spend on things. Eating out will deliberately, like McDonald's knows that you think it's cheap, <laughs> but it's gonna, you're going to spend a lot more money than you realize eating out. So fast food are, are playing on our emotions and are banking on us not keeping a budget. Um, but eating out, 
I know that from experience. Um, so keep, keep a budget, number one. Talk openly, you know, just like we did. We were very open with each other, going back and forth and saying what we prioritize and our values and everything. Do that in a relationship. Talk openly. Be, be kind to each other. No judgment. Um, and then utilize each other's strengths. So um, Hannah and I, we, we've been married for 12 years. And even just this month, we made a, a pretty big tweak to how we manage our money. Um, and that was what I alluded to. Like Hannah has now um, her, her free money. And so because Hannah actually, she's a lot better at thinking through what we need, the clothes, the, stu- the spending we need. And so she, she takes that on. And uh, we, we figured it out like now that because it's on her like app, she can see it in real time, how much is left as if it were physical money. She's got like a uh, debit card with it. But uh, you know, not that you have to do that. But the point is we're still trying to figure it out and still tweaking our, our system to see what works for us. We've flipped back and forth between who manages and does the budget and stuff. So currently I'm doing it, yeah. <laughs> she can use whatever math she wants, though. That's the thing. I don't need to know what she spends it on. Full trust. But yes, obviously. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that, <laughs> that you have overwhelmingly blessed us and given us more than we need. Thank you, God, for all the ways you took care of us when we thought it would never work out. Thank you, God, for those days where we had enough to eat, where we had clothes on our back, and we weren't sure how it was going to happen. God, we praise you for that, and we thank you as our Heavenly Father for looking out for your children. God, we pray that you would give us patience, you would give us uh, strength and understanding to work together through something that can be so, so stressful that it can divide relationships and it could cause people to divorce or separate over. God, we pray that you would help us in this area, whether it's our personal finance, whether we're sharing finance with somebody else, God, would you help us to honor you with our money and to continually grow in the skill of managing it. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.